dirty old city Entirely too much work And never enough play And I'm tired of these dirty old sidewalks Think I'll walk off my steady job today Turn me loose, set me free Somewhere in the middle of Montana Give me all I've got coming to me And keep your retirement And your so-called social security Big city, turn me loose and set me free Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our second hour. Joining us at Darsh Mashru, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So, this is Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard was born uh, in California to Oki parents who moved west probably during the Dust Bowl. And his style of music uh, is... You could call it Bakersfield. Uh, it's kind of got a Western swing beat to it that's not really Nashville. In fact, the pedal steel guitar, which this song uses fairly liberally, is not really a Nashville invention. They adopted it. It came from Hawaii. And the California country music singers were using it before people in nashville discovered it really their their music was more mournful kind of mountain derived music and of course they never wanted to miss out on an opportunity so they definitely picked it up but uh, merle haggard was definitely an outlaw he, his father died when he was nine he got into lots of trouble he, he was running a gambling racket in san quentin prison Finally, in 1972, when uh, he uh, had become an established country music singer, uh, Governor Ronald Reagan of California pardoned him of all his past crimes. So, you know, we'll, we'll play a little bit on Merle Haggard, but, you know, that song, as a retirement investment firm, we probably shouldn't be playing things like that. You know, see, so long your retirement and your Social Security <laughs> Not a very nice thing to say. Okay. Here's an article that Adarsh has pulled up from Barron's by Julia Pollock. This labor market looks nothing like most recessions. I don't believe it's a recession. Uh, I don't care what the GDP numbers are saying to you. Uh, I think everything's been distorted since COVID anyway, and the snapback, you know, now we may just go and be going back to more of a normalized thing. And, you know, you still can't find people to do jobs. We're at a three and a half percent unemployment rate. I mean, I, I just don't see how that's a recession. Yeah. So like you said, you know, uh, 
when you look at the situation on the ground, it really does not feel like a recession. Just go out on a Saturday night and the restaurants are full. People are driving on the interstates. Um, uh, when I, in 08, 09, I used to take the dogs, still do, out to the Coldstream Dog Park. I-64 and I-75 go right next to it. I can remember in, say, March of 09, sometimes it would be seem like almost a minute between tractor trailers going by right. on the interstate. I can detect no slowdown in tractor trailer traffic on the interstates right now. In fact, when I came back from Indiana five, six weeks ago, I was seeing six dollar and twenty cent diesel. Lately I paid four forty nine. And I-65 coming from Indianapolis to Louisville was packed. Right. It was, you know, it just is not a recession the way I think of one. Right. So, uh, as you said earlier, I think a lot of what's happening uh, was there were distortions created over the last two years because of COVID. Uh, So, if you look at what Walmart said, what Target said... They have surplus inventory now, um, and they are not buying new inventory as a result because they need to get rid of existing inventory. So this recession or whatever, you know, we've had two consecutive quarters of uh, declining GDP, which is the old definition of a recession, although the government officially is not calling it one, uh, is basically uh, what you would call an inventory recession, nothing like what we experienced in 08, 09, which was really a balance sheet recession where consumers were overextended uh, and uh, they, you know, had to pay down debts. Right now, the consumer is in excellent shape. Businesses are in good shape. They have a lot of cash on their balance sheet. The government is overextended and they got overextended during COVID, but they hopefully will be forced to, uh, you know, reduce their spending, especially given that we've seen an uptick in inflation. Uh, so, yes, on the ground does not feel like a recession. Uh, now, certain businesses have said, you know, when we just we are towards the end of earnings season, they have said that they are seeing customers not spend as much on advertising. Uh, certain areas like the tech uh, industry, uh, there have been lay- layoffs, but that was also an area where, you know, they just, they had a lot of funding, so when they went out and hired a bunch of people, and now they're just going back to normal levels. Uh, and unemployment is extremely low, you know. So if unemployment is this low, if there's still a shortage of workers, that's really not an environment uh, where, you know, uh, that, that you would call recess- recessionary. So what do you think? You put me on the spot? Yeah. What's your thought? I don't know. I'm laughing at Adarsh when he says the government. You were kind of smirking. What no, you were I, I was smirking. I was smirking because, I, you know, it's the, it's the, if you don't like the definition, the government just changes it. So you know, I, I, I thought that, you know, you look at any class, classic uh, textbook for business that, you know, two declining. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's supposed to be recession. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. That's, that was the smirk. So now I've answered. I will now back away from the mic. No, I mean, let me ask you this. Anecdotally, just walking around stuff. Do you sense any change in consumer habits? I mean, just from the things you go do. I mean, 
absolutely a change in habits of, for instance, uh, when, and we actually, on, just in the office, we're having this discussion, um, again, uh, kind of piggybacking off the Airbnb that, you know, instead of going to a hotel that you, you know, people are, are kind of enjoying the, the selection and opportunity to the Airbnb. In the same note, um, my adult daughters do not buy clothes like they used to for that, work. Explain that. And, that's, and, okay. So, you know, they, that, they, that is really interesting. So, the you know, when I'm looking at the department stores, online shopping, all of that, I think that that has not been as robust because now, um, as I said, again, three adult daughters in, in professions that do not require them to go to the offices uh, five days a week any longer. That, that high Hybrid work schedule is still is very alive and well. It worked too well during COVID. Companies saw that uh, that employees were productive and they had more time at home for pets and for children and for whatever. And they don't want to go back. And so it's become a real hot button for employers. Explain that clothing thing. You're All right, I know. I was going to get there. So, okay. but the point being is, is that those three, just using my children as an example, they normally would have had a, a, a work, you know, a wardrobe for work. Right. And they don't need that anymore. What they do is they RTR. They rent the runway. They rent their clothes for the month, which it makes perfect sense. Is this sense. like... A Netflix model of what Netflix used to be, where they would send you the DVD and you send it back. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so you and it, it's very customized. This, this is not, this is not, this is not marketing light. This is marketing heavy and very customized and tailored to you, which I guess is what customized is. But so, so you're putting in your, uh, you know, weight size. You're looking at pictures, just like you know, you you rely on the reviews to give you a real honest open, um, you know, viewpoint of a place, an experience, a restaurant, whatever, um, customer service, whatever the situation is. The same thing applies to these uh, rent the runway clothing. So people are putting the pictures who have their who have your exact measurements and showing what they look like, you know, and they've taken their own pictures, which is, it's great. It's great. So it's almost better than Tailored. It's as good as it's as custom good as it, tailored. It's as if it, somebody just made it to and, fit you. And again, think about this. Um, in this world of the social media where you want to live out loud and it's me all day, every day, 24 hours a day, and I'm on pictures of me are welcome. Who wants to be captured in the same outfit? Oh, yeah, I remember that dress she had on. She had <laughs> that on a year ago. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Uh, nuts. My, my wife also does rent the runway. And uh, the nice thing about it That's is that crazy. a lot of these brands are like designer brands. Oh, exactly. So is it, right. we, we, we all will just say the name. There's a, a lady named Kathy Miller who does a thing here called Carlisle, I believe. Or, uh, I don't think it's she, worth. I'm not sure she does that anymore. Well, it was called Worth. Yeah. And she would do very uh, tailored things for each client. Is this like that for younger? We're talking about, I mean, it's not, it's the, the items What's that are on Rent the Runway are, I, I, I feel, and Adars can weigh in <laughs> on his wife's behalf, but they tend, I mean, there is, it's, all ages, but tends to be more the millennial. I got you. Okay, and and, and the, the the cost of the of the garments are anywhere from modest to extremely expensive. So yes. in a in a weird way, this is almost like Airbnb clothes. I mean, it's it's exactly. it's kind of doing. That's it's interesting. And you, you know, return the what, stuff. What and did, it comes beautifully, you know, packaged, very right. you know. Very what what did, what did uh, Klaus? Um, 
what's the guy, the world economic, Klaus Schwab, say, you will own nothing and you will <laughs> and like you will it. you will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they also give you the option of buying. So you rent it and if you like it, you can just buy it. Yeah, okay. That's exactly right. After you spill wine on it. No, and you can return it. You return it. You don't even have to get it cleaned or anything. Oh my if there's God. anything that happens to it, you just put it back, pop that thing back in the bag and ship it right on back. It kind of tells you a little bit about the markup in clothes, too. So I, I think don't know. That, that is, that, that's not an understatement. Yeah. All right. So, recession, smashing. Um, we don't really know. Uh, we know that things maybe aren't – I mean, if you look at it, gasoline prices, I know that diesel is – is was it a, is $6.20 a gallon back in June, and late June, mid-June, late June, not even two months ago. Today it's at – I paid four forty nine. I know they're, they're just breaking you back here in Lexington. Everything in town is still over 5 bucks. But it's four fifty out on the interstate, uh, so that's got to be saying something about uh, a little bit of a slowness. Either that, or uh, inventories have caught up. You know, uh, in terms of uh, refined products. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's the latter where inventories have caught up, and uh, there has been a slowdown in demand also from what I've been reading. So, uh, I mean, uh, gas and diesel prices are relatively inelastic, but they do, at, at a certain point, they do start becoming elastic again where consumption just drops. And I think we've seen some of that where at $6, people were not driving as much. Couldn't have been. What yeah. about the co- what about the cost of cars? As if automobile, I mean, the cost of automobiles have used been or, or new? Okay. Have been coming down also, yes. Have they? Yes. I mean, I don't know how hard it is to get a uh, a new car now. Like, there's some things they just don't make anymore. Uh, a lot of the diesels, they've quit making. Uh, and I don't know if they're back in production or not. I, I, I heard about a guy, a dealership, that had one of these uh, late model Mustangs. Um, it was supposed to retail for like 90 grand. He put it on his lot at one hundred twenty-five thousand bucks and sold it, or I, at least I heard he did. I mean, this was seven, eight months ago, and you know, I, and I, I kind of doubt that can be sustained. Yeah, definitely not. And I, I think we saw this phenomenon in a lot of different things, even like uh, baseball cards or sports cards. You know, yeah. collectibles. People were just paying outrageous prices for them. Same with. NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and they've all SPACs. been SPACs. Yes, That's so two years ago, right? So there, th- there was an excess, and uh, you know, uh, I guess a bubble of sorts in some of these things. But it, it's, I think, it's over. We've already seen the peak, so prices are uh, falling across the board. One of the things that uh, okay, you you have another article here about r- wage growth, and the and Despite the drop in commodity prices, wages are sort of keep catching up. And I, I think that's a factor of scarcity of, uh, of workers, uh, yes. you know, and 
as people get paid more, I mean, I believe this is a huge market. And I've, I've even told some people who have come in here as retirees, and I'm saying to them, you got no idea what kind of money you could possibly earn if you were to reenter the workforce. You might earn a hell of a lot more than you think you could. I think we talked about that before, didn't we? When we, that companies were actually saying that they were welcoming right. the, the retirees back into the workforce. Uh, and, and so many of these older people got used to the idea that I'm not wanted in the workforce. Right. Because for so long, it was like this trend towards youthful workers. We don't want these old people. We want to get them out of here. I spoke with a lady uh, on an American Airlines flight um, coming back from, uh, uh, well, it was a DFW to Lexington. And she said she'd been with American for 37 years. She was on the way upper end of the uh, flight attendant pay scale. Um, But the company had not gone ahead and retired her because – you know, they need her. Right. And they also know she will show up to work. And they they have a lot of younger flight attendants that right, right. work for nothing. But, you know, what's the work ethic going to be like kind of thing? So, you know, you, you cannot just implant work ethic into somebody. Right. You can't do it. They got to – it has to be built in them. It's It's like character. And it is character. And, uh, you know, uh, this is going to be one of the bigger problems as we go forward. Yeah, I was reading this yesterday that that the shortage of workers is everywhere, you know, skilled and unskilled. And uh, it was either Walgreens or CVS, they're offering $75,000 bonus uh, for pharmacists because there's no pharmacists. Um, So... This is a structural problem. It's not going to get solved easily. Uh, part of the reason is that the population growth is just not there. And then the other reason is that uh, there's a massive slowdown in uh, immigration. So it's it's just... And, and, and strangely enough, immigration is our only solution to this. Large-scale immigration done correctly... This country has to become a country of immigrants again. There have to be. I, I tell you, I was talking to somebody, I don't know, uh, two or three days ago. I was talking about when I grew up here in Lexington. Rarely would you see somebody from another country. Now I always go places and hear somebody speaking a language that I've never heard before, you know, Uh in fact, somebody asked me one time, who's that Irish guy you have on your radio show? I don't know why. Talking is. about Adarsh. Is yeah, it, isn't that an Irish name? <laughs> I mean, literally, the guy, that's what he asked me. But anyway, no, the point the point I'm making, you would have never heard a guy with his, his accent on the radio in Lexington. Wouldn't have happened, you know, 40 years ago. But now right. it does. It's Everything's changed. And I think that's for the good, actually. I mean, you know, our favorite, one of our favorite restaurants is A Taste of India. Uh, Another one is, uh, well, you know, it used to be, I I guarantee you, when I was growing up in the the 70s and 80s, there was not a Mexican restaurant in the state of Kentucky. 
except for Taco Bell. You know, that was it. Or Taco Tico. Um, now, and then I remember the very, remember that first Mexican restaurant opened up out in Lexington Green. We used to, did we used to go to that thing? I don't remember, Tom. Oh, God. I, I, I remember the one we frequented a lot. Yeah, it was out in Lexington Green. But and then it became, they became ubiquitous. Now, there's many little towns in eastern Kentucky, all throughout Kentucky. If there were not a Mexican restaurant there, there would not be much of a restaurant. That's the de facto restaurant for lots of little towns in Kentucky. Think about that. It's not something that fixes fried chicken and mashed potatoes. It's fajitas. I mean, come on, man. A lot of stuff's changed. You know, if there were no Indians from, uh, you know, there wouldn't be any convenience stores. (laughs) (laughs) 7-Elevens. I think it's that's true. I don't know about and, and you all. Seventy percent of them are named Patel. Or motels. Most motels. Motels too. Yeah. That's true. You. Uh, it's you know it's true. I mean, what are you going to do? Throw me in prison? No, just under the bus. It's not <laughs> a negative thing. He's Indian. He's laughing. You are listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Mashru. Missy Clifton sitting in. You can always find more of the Tom Dupree Show on our website, dupreefinancial.com. I think that is a perfect place to take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Your buck was still silver It was back When the country was wrong Back before Elvis And before Vietnam War Came along Before the Beatles And yesterday When a man could still work, still would The best of the free life behind us now And are the good times really over for good And I went rolling downhill like a snowball headed for hell kind of chance for the flag or the liberty bell I wish a Ford and a Chevy would still last ten years like the shoot It's the best of the free life behind us now and all the good times really Wish Coke was still cola and a joint was a 
bad place to be And it was back before Nixon lied to us all on TV Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show. Joining us this segment, Darsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group. This was more of Merle Haggard. You know, he's not afraid to speak his mind in his songs. Uh, it's that oaky California spirit that it's a Buck Owen. I mean, he's, he's basically in the Buck Owen tradition. He's just a little edgier. But they're the same thing. It's, 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 it's the Bakersfield sound. You know, it's, the, it's that California country. And decidedly, obviously, they all end up recording in Nashville at some point because that's where you go. But anyway, he just has that. I mean, he's a California version of Willie Nelson, really. Yeah. Kind of. All right. Inflation eased slightly to 8.5% in July. Now, this is very easy to get confused on this. You read this and you think, God, prices went up 8.5% in July. It's not very, and the way the people report this is very poor. Because it makes you think that prices rose 8.5% in July. No. They rose at a level where if you annualized it, it would be 8.5% for a year. But it did not. The prices did not go up 8.5% in July. Very confusing to the average person. In fact, I think it's irresponsible. Right. I think the way they do it is almost deliberately misleading. It's, and I hate to say this, but I think that the, the education level of some of these people writing for the Wall Street Journal and Barron's is so freaking low that, uh, you know, they don't know what the, they, they, they may not even know the difference themselves. It's a little bit scary. Yep. So, anyway, inflation did not go up 8.5% in July. It rose at a rate, if you annualized it, it would be 8.5% over a year. You don't know what inflation has been for the last year until you go back and add up all the months, and then you get the number. And I don't know what that number is right now. What's it been for the last year? What is the, yeah, actu- so the actual inflation rate over the there? The 8.5% uh percent that they're reporting is year over year oh so, it is year over year but it's annualized it's yes. not in one month right. right so if you look at so we're up eight and a half percent for over the last yeah, year yeah so it, below it says on a monthly basis uh cpi was flat so it basically flattened uh compared to the month of june well uh, that okay well now you're doing the cumulative so but if you annualize june or July, you're at zero. Right, exactly, yes. So if you annualize... That's what I said was getting right. ready to happen. Right. And it has happened. Yeah. Uh, and in and fact, you heard it here first. Certain things were down, so... Uh, gasoline. Gasoline was down. And then uh, a few other things, but the food, 
I think food was still up. Groceries were slightly up, but I think food, food and groceries, I think, are two of the main categories that are still goosing inflation uh, and wages and wages. Uh, also, rents rents have been pretty high. Yeah, um, but it's a used car. You know, I'm prices. charging my dogs rent for their dog <laughs> uh, crates now. It's actually they're able. You know they. Told me they had a little extra I think money. you're still on the losing end of that yeah, one, though. Probably. <laughs> I can promise you their dog food has gone up in price it by, by what, almost $10 a bag. Yeah, that, that which is about 25%. Yeah. 30%, really, more like. So, anyway. But you also had the, the PPI, the producer price index, come out. And that, <clears throat> this last month, uh, much like the CPI, was moderating, um, and and so the the producer price index that's going to the companies, and that is kind of a you can see a little bit as to what the profitability would look like. What are they seeing? And then the CPI is what uh, the consumer you and I are seeing when we're buying stuff. Energy inputs, right, coming off. Yes, I mean one of the big advantages that the U.S. has is that the U.S. Uh, really has a surplus in energy and food just it's just a matter of you know getting it to the right place at the right boy there are so many uh, forms of advertising aimed at telling you just next month we're not going to have anything on the shelves you know you got to go out and buy this three thousand dollars worth of dried meals and (laughs) use up all your uh closet and basement space storing this stuff and it'll be good for the next 30 years i mean you know you talk about scaring the hell out of people i mean it's like it's all designed not not saying don't be prepared on some things and that's fine but i just i've seen this for years they sell gold this way Mm -hmm. they sell index annuities this way and now they sell food this way it's a way of of you know, it, it just making you afraid, and and I, I tell you, I like to go shoot uh, sporting clays, and every form of ammunition is on back order right now. Right, everything, not shotgun shells because that's not used for self defense, but so many uh, rifle yeah. uh, slugs, uh, things that you'd use in a rifle. Uh, 357 Magnum, 380, nine mil. You can get nine millimeter. You can get, uh, the stuff that you're shooting an AR 15, 223. That's out there. You can get that. But I mean, a lot of this stuff you can't get. Yeah. Fear-based. Yeah. They just, people are stockpiling it. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I mean some people have enough ammunition in their closet <laughs> to hold off an army, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you, you had the same thing. What happen. was that guy? I remember. I won't be able to shoot at him. You know? <laughs> yeah, that guy came in here. He was. He was literally. He was half blind. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he couldn't couldn't, couldn't, couldn't see. see to shoot him. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you had the same thing uh, during COVID. You know, with toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it was it was fear based. I still don't understand that one. But uh, all Le- leaves. Yeah. Uh, all these things, I mean, it's supply and demand, um, and yeah. you are starting to see some of the supply chain issues get resolved. 
Um, and so you, you look at, you know, used car prices starting to come down. Um, that has to do with supply chain. Um, yeah. And so all, all these different things, if it's supply chain issues, that can be worked out. It might take time, but it can be worked out. Uh, right. When you look at the price of gold, uh, it peaked in August of 2020. So it's been almost two years since it peaked. So if there was inflation and if it was out of control, I think you would have seen a reaction in gold. Now, if you think Bitcoin has replaced gold, then even Bitcoin is down from its peak of, you know, right, almost 70. Right, but it's made a big rally in the last couple Yeah, of recently, years. yes. But it peaked almost at 70,000 and now it's around 24,000. Right. But it got, in this cycle, under 20,000. Yes, so intraday it went down all the way to 17,500 one day. Did it really? Yeah. It, it trades 24-7. It does, yes. So this happened over the weekend. It did not happen during the week. Right. Mm. I mean, what's happened this year, it, it's been it's been interesting to watch um, the various areas that have gone down the most, you know, the more speculative areas, growth, tech. Um, and it's always amazing – when you have market fluctuations like this, people get scared, investors get scared, rightfully so, because everybody's telling you you should be scared. Um, Wait a minute. That doesn't mean you should be scared. Well, no, it's it, not rightfully so. Well, well it, it's, 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 it's understandably, understandably, understandably so. Understandable, yeah. uh, so <laughs> don't be telling people to be scared. <laughs> What people miss are the opportunities, uh, and that, that's what because they freeze up. That's what fear does to you. You, you, it's it's analysis paralysis. You you don't see what's right in front of you because of fear, and you you miss opportunities that markets like this give you. How many? I'm not gonna label a profession, but you know which one I'm talking about. How many members of that profession? Have you seen that simply could not overcome their fear of, uh, and they knew they had a problem? Yeah. These are probably the same kind of people that could grab some guy's artery if he was about to bleed out and hold on to it and save his life or grab his heart or, or do something like that. But when it comes to their money, yeah. they were unable to. Uh, be objective at all about it that's and, right and i mean people that could withstand huge amounts of risk in terms of human life yeah you know healing people or, or doing surgeries that would and of course we're talking about doctors and uh yet no objectivity at all when it came to their own investments yeah i mean i, I don't i don't know this but i would suspect that part of it has to do with the fact, if you are working on somebody's body, I mean, you're you're the one doing. You're driving that car. You know, it's it's like, I bet some of these are are terrible side seat drivers or, or passengers. You know, just because oh, it's because the, they're not in control. You're not of this in control. Process. Yeah, and it's the same. It's the same thing the, with the investing. The, you don't yeah, control the market. I got you. I see what you're saying. And, and so it's yeah, they're educated. That makes they're sense. Smart. But they can't control what the market. They can't doing. handle not being in control. So right. Just completely. I used to. This is a side note. When I was in high, in college, I got to work in the operating room at a local hospital, and the most fascinating surgery to watch was called a carotid endarterectomy. 
it's where the there was this plaque that had built up in the carotid artery. And if they didn't fix it, it was like doing uh, an angioplasty on the carotid, not in the heart. Hmm. You know, not, not doing the balloon in the heart, but doing it in the carotid artery. It was limiting blood flow to the brain. They had to go in there and clean that artery out. So what they would do was they would create a shunt that allowed the blood to flow around. It was like a little tube, it, it, kind of a little curled tube, and they would tie that off, and the blood would flow around the artery, and the inside of the artery would be dry, and they'd go in there and cut that stuff out. Then they would cinch it all up around it and pull that tube out and sew it up and wham. Now you're back to running the blood through the artery. Wow. It was funky. And yeah. I'm going to tell you, when they were doing that surgery, you could have heard a pin drop. I bet. A lot of surgeries, you'd be in there. They'd be talking, you know, ah, what do you think about the football game? And because it's just, you know, you're digging through somebody's gut. But uh, <laughs> in this case, you're, you're, you're dealing with the – all you do is slip and they're dead. Yeah. They'll bleed out in about five seconds. And so, uh, you know, they would be real quiet. I don't know why I'm saying this was 40 years, 45 years ago. So I, I think, you know, everybody's retired or dead that was doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I think it's not just limited to, I mean, yes, we, you know, we have seen that, uh, with that one profession, but I, I think most people have a different relationship with money and, uh, your relationship with money is probably formed when you're really, really young. And uh, it's just hard to change. It could be because of the sort of family that you grew up in or, you know, how your parents treated money. So it's a highly, you know, psychological thing. And I think it, you know, goes with you for your entire life. Yeah, no, absolutely. Agree. For me, this is going to... The, the first thing I ever bought money, spent money on was albums from very young. If I went out and mowed the lawn and got money, you know, three bucks would buy an album. 49 cents would buy uh, 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 45, you know, two songs, A and B side. But you could buy an album for two ninety nine, three ninety nine. And that's what I got into was, was listening to albums. So music was what I spent all my money on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't even remember what mine was. It was probably the arcade. That's the earliest thing I can remember spending money I on did was going in, into the arcade. I, I did get a little hooked on that at one point. Do you ever play Galaga? Yeah. 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 And of course, Donkey Kong and all right, the Right. Yeah. But they don't even have arcades anymore. I know it. There's no reason to. Yeah, yeah. There are arcade They were bars. nasty. I mean, I when you got away from the machines, they're pretty nasty oh, yeah. places. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of cities now have arcade bars. Like Lexington has yeah. two, at least, that I can think of. Yeah. So, with inflation doing what it's doing, and it's beginning to slow down, you know, what we do is we try to help people invest money in such a way as to keep 
the purchasing power up with inflation. Now, it's too early to say, have we begun a new bull market? Uh, it certainly looks like we've put in a near-term bottom, at least for now. Uh, is this usually bull markets are born at a time when people least expect them when there have been, God, the market's up another 361 today. And you know, it's three Oh seven in the afternoon. I didn't even know it was up that much. The, the point is markets put in bottoms when you don't think they're doing it. And when the press actually tells you, Things are going lower. How much stuff did we see five, six, seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago in early June about how far down the market was going to go? Yeah. And we're talking about people. Who's the guy that writes 20, Grantham? Yeah. Jeremy Grantham. 20 page yeah, right. theses about exactly why. And he's wrong. He was just wrong. Most pessimistic SOB I've ever <laughs> looked at. Why the hell anybody would read his stuff? But they do, and he's well-regarded, but he just looks like he just died. And, uh, I mean, you know, the, the guy, it's like you just don't go anywhere being a pessimist. Yeah. I don't like being pessimistic. Right. And I, I think ultimately uh, optimism is a very crucial quality to be uh, a good investor. You have to be an optimist because that's how you are able to buy things. If you're an optimist, you'll be right more than the pessimist in, right. in the market. That's true. Sure. Right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, Grantham, he's been right in the past. You know, again, who knows what the future holds. But uh, I mean, we did see like a massive uh, drop. You know, if you just look at the indexes, then that was a little misleading. A lot of individual stocks dropped a lot. Some of them 80, 90%. A company, a stock like PayPal, which is a major, it was over $300 billion, dropped 77% from its high. So those were some big drops. Yeah. Well, Here's an article from Barron's. 2017, Jeremy Grantham is worried about the world. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, okay, keep worrying, Jeremy. Um, the companies go do funny things. Right. But good growth companies have been a solid right. producer of wealth for their investors over time. They right. just have. Right. A absolutely. Yes. So it, it all depends on your time frame. And really, when you have such big drops, you never know if the uh, market has bottomed. But that doesn't mean that you can't start scaling in. You don't have to go 100% in. But you definitely have to you know, scale in when you see such drops. Well. And it's it's amazing if if somebody was look looked at the value of their account on December thirty first, stepped away and hadn't looked at it. Most years, you, you would be a lot less stressed. My preacher in o two o three, the market was way down from o one. He just said, "Double up my money going into my high risk tech fund." It was up fifty three percent that year. His whole position was at a profit at the end of 03 after it had gotten slaughtered in 01 and 02. Yeah. All down, right. Down 80%. We got to jump. You're listening to the Optimism. Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Mashroo, Mike Johnson, and optimistic Tom Dupree. Missy Clifton. Missy was in the previous segment. 
Give us a call, 859-233-0400 if you'd like us to take a look at your portfolio. We'll talk to you next week. Talk about not being able to control things. <laughs>